Good morning. I grew up in a home. Some of you know we're dismissing the children at this time. Wasn't sure if they were going to go, so. But I, I grew up in a home that there were four of us boys. I was the youngest, uh, am still the youngest, uh, four boys. And um, in a neighborhood where there were a lot of boys, uh, not very many girls in our neighborhood, I had um, some really good friends. One of my brothers only a couple years older than I am. We, we were good friends growing up, uh, still are. I had uh, Will and Abe Lawrence, two brothers that lived close to where we did, and then a guy by the name of Keith Hayes. And, uh, and the five of us were really good friends, spent a lot of time together, um, a lot of mischief uh, as kids growing up, and, um, you know, uh, some trouble, but a lot of mischief. And um, I, I will not forget that um, we had a, a guy, his name was, was Jay Lawrence, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jay Shrewsbury, and Jay Shrewsbury would come in the summer and stay for a couple of weeks with his grandparents, the Eplings, who lived not far from us. And, um, and he was a city boy. He just didn't fit in with us country boys, you know, but he wanted to. And, um, and we, we just were not very kind or accepting of this city boy coming out trying to fit in with us country boys. And so uh, when I grew up, you know, we, we went out in the morning, and we typically didn't go back until very late in the day. Uh, we had chores, responsibilities of things we had to do. But once those things were done, we were kind of free to do whatever we wanted to do. And, uh, and, and that's, that's some of the mischief that we got into, right? Because when all the chores are done, you go, well, what are we going to do now? And, um, and, and sometimes it was just very harmless things, but sometimes, uh, you know, it could, uh, could be a little bit more than that. And there we'll forget when, uh, when Jay Shrewsbury showed up and, and he wanted to, to do things with us, and we just didn't want him tagging along because he was a city boy. He didn't know how to do country things, right? And... Um, so one day, we'd finished our chores, and we were going to head off into the, to the wooded areas uh, around where we lived and just hang out and have some fun, do the things that we normally did, so forth. And he came along, wanted to go with us, and we decided he wasn't going, not, not going to let it happen. And so we tricked him into going into the chicken pen, and then we locked him in the chicken pen so that he couldn't follow us into the woods. I know, I know, that's bad. It's re- it sounds a lot worse than, no, it's bad, right? Okay. And, um, and so after a little bit, we were off and he realized what had happened and, and he was yelling for help and he got some help and he got, you know, let out of the chicken house and, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to say how long, but, uh, he, he was in the chicken house, but, but when we got back home, there was a price to pay for us leaving Jay behind. And, um, and we were disciplined. In, in a very strict manner, we were disciplined. And then we were forced, at least my brother and I, uh, to, um, or, or strongly encouraged, should I say, 
to go over to the Eplings and to apologize to them and to apologize to Jay and, uh, and admit our wrongdoing. And uh, from that moment forward, for the rest of his stay or any time he came to stay, we were required by our parents to involve him in anything that we did. So there was discipline. There was a price. There was repentance. And, and there was forgiveness because Jay liked being involved in the things that we did. And, and it ended up that Jay wasn't such a bad guy after all. Well, there's a, uh, a story in the Old Testament Scripture that involves all of those elements. The book of Jonah in the Old Testament Scripture. And there is, uh, is a guy by the name of the book Jonah. And he is a prophet of God. He is called by God to, to be a prophet, to be his spokesman, to share his word. And God gave Jonah a calling for him to go down to a great city of Nineveh and to proclaim his message. And if you know anything about the Bible at all, you probably have heard the story of Jonah. And Jonah rejected or disobeyed God's instruction. And when he did, he went in the exact opposite direction that God had called him to go. He got on a boat and sailed away. And we know that in the midst of that, there was a great storm and the boat had reached the point that they were concerned that the boat was going to sink and they were all going to perish. And in the midst of that, Jonah admitted that he was the problem. And, and in the midst of that, they threw Jonah overboard. And the Scripture says that the moment they threw him overboard, the storm ceased. It became calm. Because the problem had been eliminated. The next thing we know is that there was a great fish. We often use the term whale, but we really don't know that. But we know the Scripture says that, that God had assigned or He had prepared. So, so it could be something that God created just for this moment. But the fish swallowed Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. And that's where we want to turn our attention this morning. We want to turn our attention to the prayer that Jonah prayed from the belly of a well to see the power of repentance. Jonah chapter 2, beginning in the first verse. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. Now, let's stop right there for just a moment. He had disobeyed him. He had run in the opposite direction. All of the things that he had gone through. But notice what it said. He prayed to the Lord his God. He was still his God. Even in his disobedience, even in his, his going completely opposite direction that he was supposed to go, he was still his God from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord. And he answered me. And I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. Thou didst hear my voice, for thou hast cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All thy breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from thy sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward thy holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. 
and great, the great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended into the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But thou hast brought me, brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came to thee, into thy holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to thee with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. So this is a prayer that Jonah prays at a moment of desperation. It is a prayer that he prays and we listen to the terms that he uses, that he was in the deep, that the water engulfed him, that, that it, there were things wrapped around his head, he was taken into the roots of the, of the mountains, and, and he was going down. And he was afraid for his life. He thought, in the midst of this, he was about to die. And because he was about to die, he cries out to the one who he knows can help. The only one that he knows can help. And he cries out to the Lord to save him. And as we hear this prayer, I want us to to see today what it means for us to repent. I want us to see what it means to experience God's mercy and the transformative power that He has in our life, and what happens when from our sin we turn back to God. And so there are just a few things that I want us to note from this text today. The first one is this, the depths of desperation. Verses 1 through 3, we begin by recognizing Jonah's desperate situation. He recognized his desperate situation. He refused to obey God's call. He refused to do what God had instructed him to do. And in the midst of that, he was fleeing in the opposite direction that God had called him to. And in, in regards to that, Jonah was swallowed by this fish and he finds himself in this desperate situation. Here's the first thing that I want us to note about this today. Is that no matter how desperate a situation we're in, God can always hear us. No matter how desperate desperate we are in our situation, God can always hear us. That no matter how desperate we are or how far from God we've come, and I want you to think about that, Jonah, a prophet of God, had turned his back on God and was headed in the opposite direction that God had called him to go. We do that in our life. God calls us, God instructs us, He gives us His Word, and we turn and go in the opposite direction. We know what God's commanded us to do. We know what He's called us to do. We know what faithfulness and obedience looks like, and yet we choose not to do that thing. We choose to go in the opposite direction. And when we choose to go in the opposite direction, and most generally in life, we will end in a desperate situation. 
We will end in a situation where, where we are desperate for help. We are, are desperate for someone to rescue us, to, to deliver us, to bring us out of that situation. Sometimes we find ourselves in illness. Sometimes we find ourselves in depression. Sometimes we, we find ourselves dejected and rejected in life. But we find ourselves at a point, often we refer to it as the end of our rope, and we find ourselves there and we are desperate. And because we are in a desperate situation, we try to find solutions to the problem. And oftentimes, we look to ourselves for those solutions. We think that we can provide the way out. And so in the midst of that, we try those things. And we try to figure things out on our own. And we try to find our way out on our own. Or, or we say things like this, well, I, I can't come back to the Lord after what I've done until I get things straightened out. But Jonah was in a desperate situation, and in that desperate situation, his heart began to change. In the darkness of the belly of the great fish, Jonah's disobedience and his wrong choices began to lead him in an understanding of where he was and why he had ended up there. And so he was desperate for a change. He was desperate for something else in his life to happen other than where he was and what he thought was about to happen, and that was he was going to die. And that led him to a prayer of repentance. He began to seek God and repent for what he had done. His heart began to change. His heart had been hardened toward God. It takes a hard heart for God to say, this is what I want you to do, and us to say, nope, not going to do it. That's a hard heart. We can slice it any way that we want, but the bottom line is, if God gives us a directive, if God gives us a command, or He gives us a call, and we say, no, I'm not going to do that, that's a hard heart. It's a hard heart that rejects what God is expecting of us in life. And Jonah finds himself in that situation, and so he has a heartfelt and sincere prayer of repentance, and his words reflect a genuine understanding of his sinful nature and a recognition of God's sovereignty in his life. And in the midst of his repentance, in the midst of this prayer, he understands where he is and who it is that can help him. And so he is genuinely humbled. He is genuinely remorseful. Now, not, you know, understanding exactly what that meant. He had lost all hope. And in relationship to that, that he knew there was only one answer to his problem. And so in regards to that, he begins to admitting his disobedience. And that's the first step to repentance, is being willing to admit our disobedience. To be willing to admit our failures, our shortcomings, our mistakes, our wrong choices. To be able to say, I did something that I should not have done, and now I am returning to you, and I am repenting, and I am seeking your forgiveness. That's where Jonah finds himself.
And then the third thing that I see that we learn from this in regards to the power of repentance is the mercy of God. The mercy of God that comes in his life, and we didn't read that final verse, verse 10 of that second chapter, but this is what it says. And then God caused the fish to spit Jonah out onto dry ground. That's the mercy of God. You see, grace is an understanding that God gives us what we do not deserve. Mercy is understanding that God doesn't give us what we do deserve. And the mercy of God in this situation is we know exactly what Jonah deserved. We know exactly what should have happened in this circumstance and situation. But God showed His mercy toward him and that those things did not happen. God caused the fish to spit him out onto dry ground. And his prayer of repentance and his call for God's salvation had brought God's heart to a point of mercy in regards to his life and delivers him out of this horrible situation that he just defined for us. He was in the deep and the, the weeds were around his head and to the, to the uh, foundation of the mountains in the sea. And he was, he was perilous. He knew he was about to die. But he called out in repentance to the Lord and the Lord showed mercy on him. It was evident That God loved him and God still desired to use him. You and I need to understand what that means to us. There isn't anything that we can do that will cause God to love us less. There is no disobedience. There there is no direction that we can take. There are no choices that we can make that can cause God to love us less. He loves us, and He loves us unconditionally. But there is a point in which we must choose to repent and to turn back to Him, and He promises that when we do that, He will show mercy, and He will deliver us from whatever it is that we're dealing with in life. And that's exactly what He did here for Jonah, and that's exactly what He will do for us, The Scripture says if we are faithful to confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jonah was pleading with God for his forgiveness. He was pleading with God to save him and to rescue him. And God showed mercy. And God delivered him from that circumstance and that situation. And God set him back on the right path brings us to the fourth and final thing this morning and this is this embracing repentance in our lives what does it mean for you and I how do we go about following the lessons that we learn here and applying genuine true repentance in our hearts that we might call out to God That He might rescue us, that He might save us, and that He might deliver us in our lives. The first thing is this, humility. Jonah showed humility. 
he humbled himself before the Lord in a desperate situation. And he cried out to the one he knew who could deliver him. Second thing is sincerity. Don't cry out just so we get delivered. Don't cry out just so we get help out of the situation. Repentance is a genuine change of heart. Not just a verbal uh, assertion, not just a verbal call, but a genuine change of heart. Jonah's heart began to change in the belly of the fish. And when he called out to God, he was sincere. Notice what he talks about, the things that I have pledged I will do. We don't know exactly what all of those things are, but he was sincere, he was genuine, he was real. His heart was changing, and he was reaching out to God for help. And in regards to that, he was was willing to sincerely obey God's direction for his life. When we're going to repent, it can't be that we're just asking for deliverance, or asking to be saved, or asking for mercy, or asking to get out of this jam or this difficult situation, and then we're going to go right back to, to what we were doing before. There has to be a, a humility that says, I sincerely seek you, and I want to obey you and follow you. I sincerely seek you, and I want to do what you have called me to do in my life. And that's the third thing, is transformation. We have to be willing to have a, a changed heart, and that has to lead to a changed life. When we genuinely, truly repent, and we are sincere about that repentance, then it changes who we are. We don't just go automatically back to what we've done before. We don't just go automatically back to the choices or the lifestyle or the things that we were doing previously. But in that repentance and in God's mercy and in God's salvation and in God's rescue, we change who we are. We change the direction that we're going. We change the the choices that we're making. We change the, the life that we're living to be more of what He's called us to be. To be different than we were before. The next thing is gratitude. That we are genuinely grateful for God's mercy. That we really measure what it means for Him to have forgiven us and to rescue us and to save us and to change us in our life. And then finally, that leads to obedience to following God's directive in our life. Now, if you continue on in the book of Jonah, and I encourage you to do so, it tells us that he he headed straight to Nineveh, obeying what God had called him to do. And arriving in Nineveh, he began to proclaim God's word. And the scripture says that the people of Nineveh began to believe They began to fast in sackcloth and ashes. And even the king stepped down from his throne, removed his crown and his robe, garbed himself in sackcloth, sat in ashes, and called for all of the inhabitants of Nineveh to fast and seek the Lord. Because of one man. Because of one person who was genuinely willing to pray a prayer of repentance 
sincerely seek God's salvation and His rescue and His mercy, and then allow that to transform His heart and His life, and then to follow Him in obedience to what God called Him to do. You see, there is anything we can do that will cause God to love us less. And when we repent and turn again to Him, He will show mercy, He will give forgiveness, and He will continue to use us in His kingdom as He did Jonah. And so I want to encourage you today from this simple story in God's Word, a passage of Scripture that most of us, any familiarity to to church or, or to the Word at all, we're familiar with, to understand the power of the prayer of repentance and how it can make a difference in our lives, how it can change who we are, and how we can once again live in the mercy of God being used by the power of God. We're going to sing an invitation hymn this morning and perhaps as we come together this morning there's uh, some choices that you've made in your life, some directions that you've taken, things that you've done that, that you need to repent of.